Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When I was younger, I whittled like a dagger. Like it kind of gave me a sense of sort of empowerment that I could just make something. I try to take editing as seriously as I do the art pieces I'm making. Essentially, the video is the thing people are consuming. What sort of struggles were you having and how did you get to the point where you made this comeback tweet today? I am and will always be a recovering addict. There's a saying, if you're not going forward, then you're going backwards. As you were talking about the value of scheduling, it occurred to me that flexibility is the ultimate sirens of creativity. All of these things working together in concert is just like incredible. I just feel so much better. I actually like myself. I like the direction I'm going in. I like myself at the moment. It's been a long, long time. Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown, the home of Make Something Mean Something. It is TCU's day. We are here live on Discord every 6 p.m. Eastern. I am Kevin Lieber, and with me as always is Matthew Tabor. That's right. And you might think that the spelling of tonight's guest's last name is, is fairly straightforward, but it's actually spelled D-E-W-K. Bobby Duke is as pure an artist as we've ever talked to on this show. He just kind of creates and creates whatever he wants out of anything. It's often wood, but it might be petrified dinosaur feces and any medium in between is fair game. Uh, the result, too, might be something physically massive, like the 18-gear, 100-million-subscriber motion mural he recently helped custom make for Mr. Beast, or it might be minuscule, like when he turned a steel bolt from a hardware store into about a two-inch drop-point Bowie-style hunting knife that was a perfect replica from The Expendables 2. That video is a few ticks away from 100 million views, and his video turning a rusty nail into a tiny sword has over 50 million. Screwdrivers have become Deadpool's katanas. An old hammer became Stormbreaker from Infinity War, and a pencil somehow became a smaller pencil. Bobby Duke can turn this into that, and it doesn't seem to matter what you substitute for either of those two demonstratives. But there's a simplicity that creeps into Bobby's creativity that adds humor and truly makes him an entertainer. Kevin's used to putting exponents after the numbers and letters— Bobby's merch store has a t-shirt with a, a tiny exponent of F before the word art. 
His videos are a little bit theater, peppered with dad jokes and near skits and expert tutorials and the highest level of pure craftsmanship on the platform. There is absolutely no one like him. So, Bobby, you can make and seemingly have made at this point everything. What was the first real piece of art you remember making? Well, first, let me say, Dad Gum, what an intro. Thank you. <laughs> Didn't realize you. Uh, that, that makes me feel very good. So, now that I've said that, what was the question one more time? <laughs> what, what's the first thing that you remember making that, that re- really was uh, art, you know, whether it was functional or artistic or just the first memory where it's like, hey, I, I took all these things and, and turned out something from it? Uh, I actually do remember that, uh, but my memory is horrible, so it's kind of amazing that I do. Um, I, when I was younger, sitting around a campfire camping with some friends, I uh, got, I just been given like a Swiss army knife. And mm-hmm. while we were sitting around, I whittled like a dagger, like just a little double edged dagger, maybe a foot long or something. And all the boys, you know, my friends were like, Oh man, that's awesome. Can you make me one? So, you know, I started making each of the, the friends I had there one. And, uh, it just kind of got me thinking, like it kind of gave me a sense of, um, sort of empowerment that I could just make something. You know, I had uh, I've been involved in art for most of my life, so I, but that's the first time I can really remember, like, say, uh, making something. Second thing actually is I whittled a little goat, which I have on my shelf that I gave to my grandmother when I was probably I don't know, I it had to have been like eight or nine or something like that, and uh, she I kind of got it back after she passed. Sorry to bring it down, but <laughs> all of a sudden, no, no, <laughs> she she lived cool. a long life, so it was you know she was like ninety four. You whittled yourself an heirloom. You know, uh, how many people yeah. uh, complete the circle that way? Yeah, I got it back, which is kind of cool. I, I don't know what I should do with it. It's just sitting over there. It's uh, got a broken horn, but uh, she kept it on her shelf, literally, my, I mean, until she passed away, which was pretty cool. What, was she artistic or your parents artistic? Did you grow up in an artsy household? Like, where did this bug come from? Were you always obsessed with creating things? Uh. So yes, my mother is actually a pretty amazing pastel artist. She can, she doesn't really, you know, make paintings very often, but the ones she does are awesome. Plus she's very theatrical. She was a, an opera singer when she was younger. She's, you know, in plays and other stuff like that. So I kind of got uh, a little bit of the theatrical side from her. And then also the art I'm assuming, cause my dad, he's, he, he's an artist in a way. He's an artist more with software, you know, but very different personalities. My dad and mom, I think I got more of my mom's sort of flair and uh, artistic side. So, uh, yes, to that extent. Are you writing this down, Matt? Another musical parent. Are you writing this down? <laughs> I know, Are, right? have, we, have we identified yeah. something yet at this point on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, it is shocking. The, the rate uh, of parents who have some some musical inclination. <laughs> Uh, it, what, what percentage would you stick on it at this point, Kevin? 80%? You think that's fair? It seems like it. I mean, Bobby, we were just talking to, um, you know, Niall Red last week, and, and I have started to slowly develop this hypothesis about YouTubers all being secret musicians or just having something in there, something musical in their DNA. So I asked him, you know, what's your background or relationship with music? And He's like, ah, I kind of play. Meanwhile, he has a guitar behind him, and like, uh, which one of his parents was a musician. It's like, dude, 
Uh, yeah. This is a recurring theme <laughs> that's just like screaming out to us that there's something going on between music and YouTube that I think is highly underrated. What are you pointing got out? A, a drum set. Uh, I, they're in bags ah. at the moment, but I'm a I'm a drummer. <laughs> Been a drummer my whole life. Also, it's in some videos where I kind of mimicked drumming or whatever, uh, along with some of the ma- the music I use. Uh, but yeah, um, my sister's a violinist. Uh, I played piano growing up and then switched to drums. <laughs> it is interesting. I, I think I, this is yeah, going to be our sick. book. We're going to write this the secret to YouTube success book, and it's just going to be be a musician. <laughs> it is when you when you get these families that that do it that way. Like I I want to go to uh, like Hank Williams Jr.'s house. Just be like, hey, you know, with your dad and your sister and your son and all this, your great grandchild is going to be massive on YouTube and nobody even knows it yet. <laughs> yeah. You know, like this is the science of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's awesome. Pretty That's much. interesting. You, you huh. wouldn't think of that because it, it, it's not really until these conversations happen that that kind of comes out, I think. So it's it's been something really interesting to me to sort of tease out of people who uh, otherwise maybe don't talk about their family or, you know, their own musical passions. Yeah. I do think there's a, like a generalization with rhythm and pattern, though. And that's obviously baked into all things musical, but it's also a part of coding, software development, uh, and, and uh, programming is hugely dependent on both rhythm and pattern in a very different way. Uh, but I, I think there are a lot of ways that that general sense can be passed down and distilled down uh, in a way that that just it, it's like raw material for a young person to develop some kind of creativity with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it there's similar parts of the brain that you're using too, <clears throat> with regards to music and art. I mean, they call music artists, you know, musical artists. So it's a form of art, anyways. And I think that if your brain really functions well in art, it can translate over into music. I, I mean, I don't know. That's I haven't looked into it, but that just kind of makes sense to me. It, it feels like your videos certainly, and you know, I said this last week uh, with Nile Red because because he has this like lo-fi chill kind of vibe that's very yeah. musical to me. And then you you have um, a rhythm to your videos too, where um, uh, it's always entertaining, but it's always kind of changing. It's like there there's like a funny bit, there's a travel bit. You add something entertaining here, and then here's kind of like a montage. Um, in which you're, you know, painting or, or w- whatever it is, like with the Mr. Beast video I was watching this morning, where you literally just put that to music, uh, but the whole composition itself um, turns into a de facto musical piece. Do, are, are you editing all of your videos yourself? Yes, or do you, you do. Yeah, okay, <laughs> that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, now I uh, the last two videos I have outsourced some of the editing, but it's been very collaborative and I, I'll essentially use a small segment that has been edited from someone else. I, at this point, or at least the last two, about 90, 80, 90% I've edited. <clears throat> and then beyond that has been essentially just me. Um, but like you I mentioned, like I, I try to take editing as seriously as I do the art pieces I'm making because essentially the video is the thing people are consuming. So I think editing is so powerful because if you looked at my raw footage, it would just be super boring. It would also be very long and just lame. No one would watch it. 
the entertainment and the story and everything comes out in the edit. It is the most important thing. I, I mean, I'm just a character in the video, essentially, you know, uh, it is me like, you know, and the thing I'm making is like a subject, but the video is the thing, you know, and that can only be made. It comes through with the edit. Mm -hmm. And, and what is your process? Because obviously you are shooting a lot. So how do you decide when to shoot, what to shoot, how you're going through it later? Uh, I'm really fascinated by that. Well, I have two different styles of video. One is talking. One is like my, ha oh, I'm sorry, three different styles. One is a completely non-talking video where I just tell the story with soundtrack, visuals, and the edit. The other is like like the tiny knife video you mentioned, Matt. Um, mm -hmm. That yeah. one I don't speak. Uh, and then the other ones where I'm talking throughout the whole thing. Those are usually more loose, and I just kind of off the cuff whatever I can think up on the spot, and then I try to make it entertaining in the edit later. Uh, but then, like the video I'm working on now, and I'm trying to make it a a once a year thing is the Halloween videos where I do a pumpkin carving. Those are almost shot like short films you know like a short story where it's all pre-planned and all uh thought out scripted you know and and i know very specifically what i need to shoot the the hardest ones for me to make are the ones i typically put out which is the full talking and the, the art piece and everything because those are just i just kind of shoot everything and then go back and trim and get rid of 99.9 percent .9 of the footage i shoot i mean i will go way overboard sometimes and i like to shoot time lapses in real time so it gives me a big um a lot of options on how fast because you set it for say one frame every second you're locked in there you can speed it up but you can't slow it down beyond that uh so that kind of extends the amount of time i shoot but like the video i'm working on now the pumpkin carving i'm shooting just essentially what I need, you know, unless I forgot to hit, you know, to stop recording on like a part or whatever. But yeah, th those are the, e I don't know, it's not the easiest. I was gonna say the easiest because I have to put way more thought into what I'm going to be like the story and the everything is pre planned. The others are easy to just sort of sort of shoot, figure it out later in the edit. But I also have way more stuff to slog through footage to slog through on those. So kind of three different ver videos, three different techniques. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just making a list real quick of all the things for, for people who are listening, how to be a popular YouTuber, <laughs> uh, be an incredible artist, be an impossibly good artist, uh, be a great, great, great editor, uh, director, have a great personality, uh, sense of humor. <laughs> Is there anything yeah, yeah. that you <laughs> don't have? But I, I mean, I'm joking, but I'm also not because, you know, uh, we try to encourage people, uh, really, really, really try to encourage people um, to, to, to be creative, to share their creations online. Um, and sometimes I think people can get um, sort of wrapped up in, well, why, why haven't I made it yet? And it's like, well, yeah. uh, sometimes... <laughs> Like, like, let me right. explain, like, let me explain to you why I am not a basketball player. Okay. Really <laughs> right. simple, really simple. Uh, bad at running, uh, cannot jump, not great at shooting the basketball. Uh, what yeah. else? Uh, pretty much yeah. none of the things involved, uh, <laughs> yeah, am I good takes. at? Um, so 
you know, there are some sometimes just people who come along like you who are like, okay, I can do all of the things. And, and, and in my opinion, what we should do is just be thankful and enjoy your work. And, um, that's, that's what I do. <laughs> yeah. We yeah, work it's, towards work with what you have. I just happen to be good at certain things. But the thing is, is I feel like there's a balance too, because I am horrible at other things like staying focused and not, and procrastinating and, uh, feeling good about myself. And, uh, like recently, you know, I think what kind of triggered the, you know, you guys reaching out to me was a Twitter post of uh the problems i have you know like big problems which really impact how frequently i do put out videos um yeah uh so there's a lot a lot of things i lack on or i lack but i'm working towards getting better at those i'm actually super hopeful and i'm, I'm in a way better place from before i posted that that tweet uh now anyways since i've taken some some action you know to change it yeah, but I, I really, that, I had that on my, the top of my to-do list to ask you oh. about, because I do think that's a really important discussion that we haven't really <clears throat> had before on this podcast. So yeah, you did make a tweet uh, about a month ago or so saying that you were going to step away uh, from Twitter or from social media in general, recalibrate, yep. come back, and then serendipitously, because this is how life works sometimes, you put out a tweet today um, that I'll just read verbatim. You, you wrote, uh, for those asking what I did, I limited all social media to almost none, completely stopped all mind-altering substances, created a schedule, started getting up early, exercising first thing, and read the book No Excuses by Brian Tracy. So let's just start at the beginning. You know, what, what sort of struggles exactly were you having and... Um, how did you get to the point where you made this sort of comeback tweet today? Okay, so for context, I am uh, and will always be a recovering addict. You know, I was I did hard drugs when I was younger, kind of switched to alcohol because I was trying to get off drugs, and which alcohol is probably one of the worst anyways, and have just struggled with substance abuse. Now all legal, like because there's Delta 8, there's Kratom, there's alcohol. Sure. There's all these things that I was taking uh, that are legal because I'm trying to do things better, but all were having horribly negative impacts on me. And like, I wasn't like slobbering drunk or always high or any of that stuff, but like enough to where it was really negatively impacting me. And it made me feel worse about myself because I didn't have the self-control to not do it, um, mm. which would then feed into a negative feedback loop because that's what I was in for a long time because... <clears throat> it would make me, it would make it harder to get up on time in the morning, which now since I work for myself, I can get up whenever I want, but there's something <laughs> psychological about sleeping in super late that makes the rest of your day kind of feel like you've wasted the day. And, you know, I'd end up staying up real late at night, but that also kind of fed into the whole addiction part. Cause like everyone's asleep, I can have some drinks or I can, you know, do whatever. Um, so it was just unhealthy. And it made me feel really bad about myself. And the feeling bad about myself would sap all of my motivation, and which would make me feel worse about myself. And then my drive and, and uh, just self-worth. Like I was literally self-loathing uh, because I don't feel like I was the best version of me. And mm -hmm. I, I, it's just a feeding in on itself. You know, if you're in that loop, it's just a negative, negative. And, you know, there's a saying, like, if you're not 
going forward, then you're going backwards. And I've been going backwards for a long time. Now, also to preface, you know, a long time ago, I was way worse off than I am now, but still compared to what I want to be, I was going backwards and I was not in a good place. Now it hasn't been that long, but I, you, I recently went to uh, like a maker meetup in New York and I used that opportunity. Like I flushed everything, you know, I, I was, I was taking Kratom. I had Delta eight, which is like a legal version of weed essentially. Um, uh, I had not drank for a little while, but I just got rid of everything, uh, dumped, you know, flushed it, threw it away and was just going to use this opportunity to sort of force myself to hit the reset button. And now there were substances there, but something about getting rid of it all and making my mind up before I left, it was a lot easier to turn down alcohol and, and things like that at this, this event. Um, so I, I turned it all down, got home. I actually felt really bad for a couple of days, not like a withdrawals or anything, but just emotionally bad. I don't know what it was. But then I've been reading this book by Brian Tracer, Tracy, um, which there's, it's like every quote, every sentence in that book could be a quote you could hang on the wall. <clears throat> it's just packed full of such good information, but it was worded in a way that was really easy. It was very logical. And I'm, I'm super logical, super, um, what's the word, uh, what's the word where you take everything at face value? Uh, I can't think right now, but anyways, my, my mind works away. It was written in a way that I could very much understand and it made sense to me. So, uh, I started reading the book again cause I'd stopped, uh, cause I lost momentum. So it was like, I don't know what really happened, but I, I wrote down a schedule, uh, because I've never had a schedule. I've always been like, I'm just a free, you know, free spirit artist. You know, I can just do what I want and, you know, work on things when I want, but that literally made me not get anything done. You know, um, I wrote a schedule, started sticking to it, getting up early exercise, dude, exercise is literally like I was telling my wife, sorry, I'm bouncing all over the place, but I told my wife, I wish they had a pill, like a pill that would make me happy and, and motivated and, and everything. And that is the pill, like being yeah. like taking care of business, dude, exercise in the morning. I mean, it literally is drugs, but they're just natural brain juice drugs, you know, like endorphins and dopamine and things like that. I feel so energized and so motivated after I get off the treadmill, which is behind me there. Um, it's crazy. Like I feel manic almost. I'm just like, hell yeah, let's get, you know, let's get going and freaking do all this stuff. And, uh, I've been the most productive and happy. I mean, I like myself at the moment. You know, my only fear is that the, 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 the cycle will continue. Like it's always continued. And I'm going to let myself down in the future. I, I I'm determined. I've been leaving myself notes on my phone of in the state of mind I'm in now reminding myself how I feel, how great it is mm -hmm. and alcohol or other substances or procrastinating. None of that stuff will, will make me feel it. Maybe in the very moment it might make me feel okay, but it's the vastly going to be outweighed by the negative. It's just like, like little notes in my phone that I can go back to. I even once when I was drunk, I uh, wrote myself a note as if I was talking to a totally different person. And that also was kind of an impact. Uh, I wrote, <laughs> read it to my, my wife. She's like, you got to keep that because, uh, you know, I was basically talking like you're messing this up. The only one who can change this is you. And you're keeping me from happiness and from being productive and, you know, that that's literally, I know I'm rambling, sorry, but that's literally why no. I have been, my output in videos has been going down and down steadily over the 
the years because I've been moving backwards. And also my projects are getting more, you know, kind of crazy, a lot of them, and I'm trying to one up myself. So the complication factor has gone up, but it's because I've been not taking care of myself physically or mentally. And I know I've talked about it in some videos with the deep thoughts with Dookie segment, but I mean, that's all real. Like I'm legitimately, it's, it's struggle. And I want to, anyone who's listening to this, let you know that like you can, it may feel horrible today and you may not be doing good right now, but you totally can change that. Like it, I don't know. I just want to encourage you to like, uh, just, just do some simple changes and that can start that ball rolling until you are in a positive feedback loop because it will give you the, the mental boost and you'll start feeling better about yourself because you're doing something positive and good and it'll encourage you to keep going. Like that's literally what happened to me. Sorry, that was a huge ramble. <laughs> I don't know what you've been sipping, but you've got it all wrong. It's time to commit to the leaf. We've embraced the smoothness and surprising pick-me-up that tea provides. I literally drink it all day long, nearly a gallon a day, and it powers me through research, script writing, and forums on websites that I refuse to name here. But we don't drink normie NPC tea. We drink cultured and refined anime tea from the Dragon's Treasure. Kevin still likes the gunpowder green called Space Cowboy, and I've sampled nearly 40 Dragon's Treasure teas at this point. Lately, I've been slamming black teas like Kentucky Bourbon and Liquefied Berserk Despair. Scottish Breakfast is deep and peaty, and I smooth it over with Sebastian's Morning Earl Grey, which has the best vanilla cream taste I think I've ever had in a cup. Give me a pot of that with a hot meatball sub from Sal's Pizza and Brooks Barbecue Chicken to wash down my last meal on death row. I highly recommend the sampler packs. You'll want to try everything just like I did. I literally have not had one tea that I wouldn't be happy to reorder. The Dragon's Wings membership fuels new tea experimentation and the Tea of the Month Club provides a regularly scheduled surprise. And when you order from the Dragon's Treasure using code CREATE, you'll get 10% off your order. That's 10% off using the code CREATE at thedragonstreasure.com. The link's in the description. No, that was so much important stuff, though. And we, we've talked in the past about how tiny, tiny little things compound over time. You know, that, that thing like, if today is 1% better than yesterday and tomorrow is 1% better than that, you know, a year down the line, you're in a, an exponentially different place. Um, but that works too on the negative side. Like when you were talking about uh, feeling basically creatively dull and uh, whatever, it, it, it probably wasn't market. You probably didn't notice. It's not like you woke up uh, one day and thought, well, like, yesterday was a 10 and today is a two. Right. No, it was probably going down by like one hundredth a day. Yeah. And then a year later, you're like, Hey, I'm not who I was. Yeah. And that, that descent is, is bad news. You know, and the, the stuff that you say about physical activity, I mean, if I, I am such a strong believer in this, I've talked to Kevin about it to, to the point where I can't believe he hasn't kicked me out of our slack. And there are only two people in, in the slack. <laughs> still, he still probably should have kicked me out. No, I uh, like it. I like it. I like It's positive things. I would never kick somebody out. Hey, my life is going yeah. better. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> I'm tired of hearing about this. You're being too positive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My problems were physical and I simply couldn't, 
I, I, there are a lot of uh, prescriptions that would fit the problems that I have, but I can't take them because I would just not be mentally capable of doing my job in the way that I need to. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, what do you do here? Um, there are only so many solutions. And what is it? October, six months ago, I had an entire month where I basically worked out of bed for a month. And now uh, I go through the whole day and then I do something physical from, you know, five or six or whenever I'm done until like 10 every night. And it feels awesome. Yeah. The thing that you're saying is like you're worried about uh, about kind of relapsing into unhealthy behavior. The fact that you have demonstrable success with this, that you can look look at it and think, uh, if I do this kind of regimen of living things are going to be, it's not theoretical. Like this is the reality for three days or three months or three hours where I was sharp. I was productive. I was a hundred percent creatively, you know, that that's the result. And I think it's a little easier to swing back from those downtimes when you have demonstrated to yourself in a tangible way that, that doing a leads to B in a good way. Yeah, no, it's a, uh, it, I just like my brain is the biggest asset I have, like without it being a hundred percent and like creativity is like, if you're not uh, really on it mentally, creativity is really difficult. It's really difficult. Even when I am functioning at a hundred percent, I have to, you know, work at it and think, uh, and I'm supposed to have creativity on tap. And that, that is just like, why am I making things more difficult for myself? You know? Uh, it's just kind of stupid that the self-destructive behavior, it just doesn't make any sense because it's all immediate gratification issues. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the big picture and like you said, you know, the, 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 the little bitty steps towards the, in the wrong direction of one day you wake up, you're like, holy crap, you know, but that, like you said, it can go the opposite direction. There's a, there's a great, uh, uh, saying like, how do you eat an elephant? One, <laughs> one bite at a time. You know, you eat an entire <laughs> elephant in just one bite at a time. And that's the way I'm kind of looking at my movement forward is I've just switched that loop that I've been stuck in, that self, you know, feeding loop. Now I'm trying to go the other way and it, I'm not super far into it. And I know it's like, uh, I'm super pumped because like I'm feeling better, but, um, you know, I also big thing is to remind myself, like there will be days where I'm frustrated. There will be days where I have an argument with Nicole There'll be days where it's really going to be tempting to like fall back. Cause I know the first thing that I, if I go back to drinking or doing anything, that's going to be like the trigger because I don't look at it as, Oh, I've done so good for all these days. And this is just one step back out of a hundred forward steps. I look at, at it as, Oh, I'm back to zero, you know, and I'm yeah. trying to retrain my way of thinking that if I do slip up, I'm gonna do my best not to, but if I do, that's just one half step back out of a hundred forward steps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's like when people uh, weigh themselves, you really don't want to do that every day necessarily because that doesn't matter. It really doesn't like it's insignificant uh, when you go way up or way down day by day, depending on what you ate, what you <clears> did, <throat> what you drank, how much water weight you're holding on to. Did I mean, you poop? Like I've, yeah, exactly. And that's <laughs> like, that's a very real thing when you're yeah. quantifying something and, it, and you, you've got to think about it like, like, uh, like an investment portfolio where you're not a day trader. 
who's who's sitting there trying to eke out all these little changes like you kind of want to be able to retire what you know what matters is uh 10 years on is the trend upward to what degree is it upward um it's going to go up and it's going to go down plenty of times along the way some of those things are going to be you screwing up some of them are going to be really terrible things happening to you that are way beyond your control but the reality is that you know you're going to take hits you're going to go down and the true kind of measurement of uh what's good and what's working is well you know is it better than last month is it better than six months ago is it better than a year ago uh is it better than yesterday whatever whatever the time frame is that's that's really what matters and just accepting that you're going to have these well not just down days too you're going to have crazy good things happen to you that you kind of don't deserve <laughs> you know, like you're going to experience these lottery wins that you didn't work for and that's awesome right uh, so yeah it's just like a variations thing and you just understand that's the way it works yeah totally uh, one thing that i want to latch on to is this idea of a schedule because mm -hmm. i don't think that we've ever talked about that before but i i, I honestly think it's really important that's why i want to latch on to it because in in the space that we exist in you already mentioned uh, why don't why don't I sleep in? It doesn't matter. Like no, I'm not clocking in. I don't have a manager over overseeing my hourly productivity. Uh, right. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. And and that I think that's a really really un. It doesn't matter is such a bad. I mean, we we sort of got oh. into this a, a few weeks ago in a different podcast about quiet quitting, but the it doesn't matter bug in your brain. No matter what it is, whether it's washing the dishes or getting up at a reasonable hour, it doesn't that either way, if it, if if the answer is it doesn't matter, then all of a sudden that bleeds into so many other things in your life <coughs> that really do matter. So it's like if yeah. you take little things seriously, if you if you treat them as if they do matter, that stacks, that scaffolds, and all of a sudden a lot of good things <laughs> come out of taking little things seriously and mattering, like waking up at a normal, and I say normal, but like, you know, the time in which people go to work that do have bosses and they do have to clock in at 9 a.m. It's like. Yeah, not 3 p.m. The appropriate yeah. time is, is not. <laughs> uh, yeah, not unless you're a stripper and like that's fine, you know, like like they start later and that's okay. Yeah, but you have the night shift. You have the night shift. I've worked night shifts in, in clubs, not stripping, <laughs> but um, I, I could I could have. Nobody just, you know, would hire me. But um, I mean, look, dude, I, I get up here and I get in my office and I sit down at my computer before 9 a.m. Monday through Friday. And yeah. sometimes that first hour, I'm just, uh, maybe there's a couple emails I need to get to. There's a couple of things that I need to do, but for the most part, it's just being engaged, uh, in the process and treating it seriously, like, like a real job. And you, the creative people have to have structure. I think that there's this yes. total fallacy around like, oh, like we're so free to do everything. It's like total freedom is chaos. And you cannot do anything if you're totally just open to everything. It's like at some point you have to make decisions and you have to get things done and you have to even create deadlines for yourselves to do those things. So I'd love if you could go into a little bit 
why you created a schedule and sort of how that's been working for you and how that's been different from how you worked in the past. Well, in the past, basically, well, you know, I used to work at normal jobs, well, mostly normal jobs, you know, where that I had to be at work at a certain time. So I'm used to, was used to that. And then when I started working for myself full time as a YouTuber, I just completely let go of any real, you know, urgency on getting up, whatever. It's, it's hard to make yourself do that when you know, you're not going to get fired. But, um, my schedule, uh, it's 8 a, you know, it, it's right there. I actually have several of them posted throughout the house so I can, you know, remember what I'm supposed to do. Uh, the why was, well, it, it's a way for me to, well, not only get more structure so I can be more efficient and get more done, but also I feel that a lot of creative people probably also have some comorbidity with like ADD, ADHD, and I am no different. And it's been proven that people with that function so much better with structure. And I was living complete unstructured environment and it was not healthy. It was like making it worse. I would end up going my entire day. Oh, here's another main point is there's no distinguishing defining line where you're not at work anymore. So I could never completely relax because I was always feeling bad because I procrastinating because I had no structure to my day. So even though in the evenings when I was not working, sometimes I would be kind of floating back to the computer, do a little editing or go out there, but I was never fully relaxed. Like, okay, I've put in a good day's work, which is only accomplished by some structure and setting goals and limits on yourself. Um, so it was like, I never truly was able to enjoy the moments when I weren't, wasn't working because I was always feeling bad that I had more to do that I should have gotten done because I didn't get it done because I was so chaotic all day. Uh, that was the main reason because I want to be able to say, okay, it's five o'clock, six o'clock. I can, without any kind of anything weighing on my mind, enjoy, you know, watching a show with my wife or... <clears throat> hanging out with the kids or working on a, you know, whatever, doing what I want to do. Um, oh man, I had something else I was going to say along those lines, totally spaced out. Crap. <laughs> yeah, but you're, Anyways. You're, you're, you're compartmentalizing your day, which, I, and, and providing structure, which, which does create, um, a clear de- delineation between, okay, I'm engaged in work and now I can decompress and yes, that makes a lot of sense. You need that. Or else, like you said, it's just constantly in flux and you, you, there must be so much anxiety surrounding, well, I can do one more thing. It's, you know, it's 1030, but I, you know, woke up at three. So really that's only like, (laughs) I haven't been up that long. So maybe I should still be working, but it's like, but everybody's asleep and yeah, it's just madness. Yeah. That's another thing. I used to be under the impression and I still kind of, I do have some of my most creative bouts in the middle of the night, um, usually, you know, under the influence of something. But <laughs> but um, really, uh, having a schedule at a normal time of day, I think, like I said earlier, it's a psychological aspect of you're starting the day when the day begins, and you have all the rest of that day ahead of you, even though you may function good at night or whatever, we're diurnal, you know, we're, we're yeah. we are awake during the day. Um, there's also a big aspect of Nicole would get up and she'd already be, be awake for hours. And so there, it, and not that she was like upset with me because I, you know, 
we just kind of got used to it. But it was almost like I felt like I was sort of just leaving her alone too for a huge portion of the day while I'm asleep. She's getting stuff, you know, take doing stuff around the house and whatnot. Um, but really, it was the getting enough sleep and and getting that schedule, and it just made me more productive, which made me feel better about myself. Also, the quitting substances, the clarity I was experiencing. So I'm way more. My now my sweet spot is in the middle of the day as far as creativity and being productive. I used to think it was uh, like there's a Lewis Cole song that I love, who's also um, part of Knower and uh, the drummer for Clowncore, which I'm a big fan of. Shout out to Lewis Cole. Um, but uh, he has a song called "The Weird Part of the Night," which I totally you know resonated with me. He talks about like you know it's quiet, no one's gonna mess with you. It's also like when creative yeah. juices flow and all that stuff. But, and I think that's kind of a not, it, yes, it can work and that there is some truth to it. But honestly, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm working more efficiently and, and at a hundred percent during the day now, you know, that's basically. There are, yeah, there, there are a couple, uh, a uh, couple points that I wanted to make. And I, I think I've forgotten two of them. Um, the first one is that the, the flexibility with all of this stuff is awesome. And I was thinking uh, a couple of weeks ago that if uh, something terrible happened and I had to completely switch gears in my life, uh, what kind of thing would I do? Well, I'd want to be at home because at this point I do enough stuff here that I, I really would have a tough time, you know, taking off from nine to five. Uh, but I'd also want flexibility because I like being able to take advantage of a really good weather day. It's really important to me to be able to go outside and do certain things that I can only do on certain days. Well, sometimes they're a surprise, you know, and so you have to have that flexibility. Well, I love that. The flexibility, though, is completely ruinous. And it, it as you were talking uh, about uh, the value of scheduling, it, it occurred to me that flexibility is like the ultimate uh, sirens of creativity where it is, you know, the most beautiful song. And when you get too close to it, you know, your ship crashes on the rocks. It is the best thing and potentially the absolute worst thing. And you have to pull the, uh, the Odysseus and have somebody tie you to the mast of scheduling <laughs> to be able to benefit, you know, from, from, uh, the good parts without crashing against the rocks. <laughs> Bring in some Greek mythology. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, Kevin, like you mentioned, compartmentalizing it, um, it gets me in the mindset too, with the schedule. Cause so I get all these other things, which reduces my, get them done. It reduces my stress. I have less sort of cluttering my mind, you know, of the things that I should be doing or whatever. Like I've told Nicole, it feels like I'm spinning in circles with a tornado of stresses and ideas mixed with ideas, mixed with, you know, things that I'm, I know I should be doing and all this stuff, just like a, a chaos in my mind. It's a way to sort of quiet all of that. And especially the part of the day where that I've scheduled to for creativity, the creative parts, I'm fully there because I know I've planned it out. And it, it is just, it's crazy. Like all these things I've been told, like you need to do whatever, you know, I'm like, yeah, that's for, that's for normies. You know, I can, I I, I I could just be creative and float about the day like a butterfly and just whatever. But honestly, it's so much worse that way. I, I'd end up with more anxiety, more just like, or less less accomplished at the end of the day. And um, I don't think even when I was being creative, I was as creative as I could have been. 
Yeah, you really have to uh, sort of uh, like lower the blinds, to use a weird metaphor, in your brain to have it as quiet as possible to be as optimally creative as possible. And when I say lower the blinds, I mean like not have distractions, not have things uh, chirping in your ear, not having notifications going off, not having uh, emails yeah. that are really important that you're waiting to pop in your inbox that you have to respond to right away. Whatever it is, you know, this list can be you know, oh, in uh, infinite. We want to help you make something and mean something. And we say that phrase all the time because when you're making something and you know it means something, even if it's just to you, that's when you feel pretty good about what you're creating. The support for the Create Unknown in recent weeks has been incredible. Animators, artists, musicians, YouTubers, aspiring filmmakers, comedians, it is crazy how talented everybody in this community is. Consider joining the Create Unknown Patreon. Every dollar that comes through goes straight into the podcast and its community. That means more highlights videos. It means a big Minecraft project that's on the way. And eventually we'd like to manufacture custom piss bottles so you never have to leave your battle station. And being a patron unlocks participation in all of our live recordings. You've seen the roster of guests we've had. Having access to their minds is a unique opportunity. You can go to patreon.com slash thecreateunknown or click the link that's in the description. Every little bit helps and your support means absolutely everything to us. Patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Links in the description. We appreciate you, Space Cowboys. Yeah, totally. Sorry, I didn't. I, I thought you were done there. Um, Another thing I wanted to talk about real quick is the whole, like, putting your phone down. Um, I love distracting myself with my phone. I'm addicted to my phone. You know, YouTube, Twitter. I, I deleted TikTok just because that's literally crack. So, you know, I, I mean, I'm, anything you can get addicted to, I can't, I will. And my phone, absolutely. And creativity is born out of essentially boredom you know, allowing your mind to wander. And I never was allowing my mind to do that. You know, I on the toilet, got the phone out, you know, at a stoplight, you know, check, check my phone real quick. Um, anytime there was any sort of low at all, I, I was looking at my phone. So my brain never had a moment to just be in its own head. I know that it makes sense, but, um, <clears throat> Oh no, it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's got to be able to operate. It has to have enough room yeah. to, to do what it does. And we're just like, just bombarding our, our minds with uh, continual stimulation and not allowing it to just sort of us to sort of just think, you know, it's everything's being shown in front of us. We're, we're only concentrating on the thing we're looking at. And, um, you know, some creativity is so, so important, like in every aspect of your life, not just as an artist. You know, the iPhone was born out of creativity. Uh, business models are from creativity. Software is from creativity. So if, in every aspect, you know, no matter what your job is, you know, creativity can benefit it. And if you just allow like half an hour of just sitting there with everything turned off and just thinking the, the, the ideas you can come up with on how to make your life better or more efficient, it's just crazy. Um, so yeah, I've, I've gotten to the point now where I really only look at my phone if I'm say eating lunch or a little bit at bedtime now. And, um, that's about it. Uh, which has been a huge, like that has been another big thing besides all these things combined. It's like all these things I knew, I knew how to fix myself, but I just wasn't, 
because I didn't have the motivation or I had the desire, but like I was too just, you know, I don't know. They didn't have this, the self love, self respect enough to do it. And all of these things working together in concert is just like incredible. I don't know. I just feel so much better. I actually like myself. I like the direction I'm going in. I like myself at the moment. Um, it's been a long, long time. Yeah. I, since you're, you're so positive right now, I want to be insanely negative about it. I want to, I want to just make this conversation difficult and shitty. Um, but, but I, I want to point out two things and I remember these two this time. Uh, you are uh, about the same age as us. We're all 300 years old here. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, totally. And, and I think it's so much easier to do things like scheduling. I, for example, I love the hours between six and eight in the morning for a couple of reasons. One of which is California is not awake yet. I get to live as if that state doesn't exist. And it means no emails having to do with work. Nothing is popping, you know, that, that comes from the West coast. It's like living life on easy. Um, I thought you were saying you're just <laughs> you're pretending that California didn't exist. <laughs> like that's well, what made you I, happy. I can until like yeah, until like 10 a.m. and they, like. Uh, my sorry, Kevin, you live in California, up. right? Yeah. <laughs> oh no, no, no! Oh, no. I also pretend California doesn't exist. Okay, yeah, I'm in Texas. Yeah. No, I love love California. It's great, but great weather. That's that's easy now, you know. And my favorite, literally, my favorite activity of 2022 is hauling stones outside. This is another thing I talked to Kevin about too much: is moving rocks and stones and popping an audio book on with you know a very nice pair of uh, Dewalt Bluetooth headphones, so I can listen to a nice history book and haul rocks. And I love this. I love it. I don't think I would have liked that at 19. No. And that's my point here is that I think all of these things come together. Like you were saying, it's this confluence of uh, like 10 different really big factors in your life and your brain and your body and, and circumstances. You can process them and take the good and leave the bad and sort it out in a way that you could not have done 20 years ago. Yeah. I could not have done it 20 years ago. Kevin, you couldn't have. None of us could. So uh, how do you convince people that are much younger than us, and most of the people who who listen to this show are younger, uh, and I, I really want your perspective on this because you have made with your body and your wife's body, you have actually made younger versions of yourselves. This is something that, that Kevin and I haven't done. You've you've created <laughs> the, the smaller humans that are by definition younger than you. Yeah. And I imagine you're you're trying to impart some of this and seeing them develop over time uh, with with a sense of what's going to make them happy and creative and all of that so what do you do with the kids how do how do you take all of the stuff that we're talking about and get somebody who's 18 and they're creative but they they have trouble focusing or they don't know what they want to do they're they're not going to wake up at seven and pop on some Yorkshire tea and, uh, you know, go through the, the eBay alerts like I do. That's probably not their life. Right. So what do you do? How do they do this? Um, well, how do they do it? I, I can give them a reason. I'm not sure how, because I'm still trying to figure that out myself. Uh, but I wish I had, you know, and every adult says, this, I wish I had listened to my parents. I wish I had listened to advice of older people because 99% of your life is going to be as an adult. Maybe that's not an accurate percentage, but a vast majority of your life 
is going to be as an adult. And the, but the things you do when you're younger are going to sort of steer the habits that you end up having when you are an adult. So if you can get in, you know, start doing being, pro, or uh, maybe scheduling or whatever, I, the, you know, living, not correctly, because that's kind of a abstract term, but like, I don't know, being responsible, doing the things you're supposed to be doing, setting these good habits when you're younger, it will just make your life so much, so much easier because I've spent so much time being miserable and I really wish I didn't have to go through that. Um, I don't know. It just literally do it for your future happiness and mental well-being and bank account, you know, like literally if you want to have money, you're not going to be able to do it unless you freaking get out of bed and work hard and uh, be responsible. I know it's lame and boring, but I don't know. It will give you the freedom to do not lame and boring things when, you know, you're, you're older, even beyond that. <clears throat> so I don't know. Like, it's interesting too, because personalities are also different. My young uh, middle daughter, Avery, she's just naturally responsible. Like she hasn't even had to work at it. She's just that type of personality. <laughs> Everything in her room is ordered. She like does her own laundry. She'll like, <laughs> like some mornings before I was uh, getting up, she would like come wake me up, you know, and like, Hey dad, I need to go to school or, or whatever. Um, uh, so it is kind of, people will have an advantage just based on their personality, but for people like me, um, it's kind of, it's hard because I didn't do those things when I was younger. So it's hard for me to tell them how to do it or why they, sh I know why, but not how, um, I had a weird upbringing too. I know we didn't get into that, but like I was homeschooled, home church, super sheltered, uh, like completely isolated from the world, essentially, like think Mennonite, sort of the, the girls like made their own swimsuits, because there was nothing on the on the the shelves that was modest enough. Um, there was they were even talking about betrothal built buying property moving out onto a building like a big fence and like compound style, it was getting out of control. That's, I think one of the reasons are, are they are they taking are they taking new members <laughs> like where do i send the application yeah. no they've uh, <laughs> they've uh, fragmented and you know they're no longer together anymore um oh. but uh, uh so i had a weird kind of untraditional upbringing that, to most people i know that influenced a lot of the way i am my personality i think i think um it, it did a lot of good but there were also negative things the the good thing it did and i know i'm you didn't ask me about this but um uh it, it helped me i think since I didn't have to ever deal with like really peer pressure or fitting in, uh, it allowed me to, by the time I got old enough, I was, I was so just like myself and never thought about trying to either impress people or look cool or not be a dork. It's definitely helped on the, as a YouTuber, because I can go out in public dressed as an anime girl and not really care what people think about me and just <laughs> go and get the shot, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but then there's also some other negative things that have happened, you know, there's, I think that everything sort of balances out. Like you can be super creative, but then you're going to be super chaotic, you know, or unorganized. Sure. You can be super great at, good at math, but then you may be socially awkward. You know, I'm not saying those specifically, but like, there's, there's always like, it always yeah. evens out like, um, savants, you know, they may be uh, a deficit in certain areas mentally, but then can do math like a supercomputer, you know? they're just an extreme version of that. So, uh, I don't know. I, I think kind of, let's see if I can see, see if I can bring it back together. So therefore it's dependent on the type of personality you have and whether or not it'll be easier for you to start out and, you know, by 
making those habits early in life, which will then impact you, uh, not, not impact your, your bowels, but just your life later on in life. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin, I want to hear what you would, what you would do, uh, with 18 year old Kev Lieb to mentor him. But I want to point out one thing very quickly when you're talking about your daughters, um, there is a difference between boys and girls for the most part with uh, executive function and its development. And it's like, we're not going to go down this rabbit hole too far, but generally you can say <laughs> that boys develop stronger executive function like two years later than girls. Yeah. And if you think about girls and boys who are in like eighth, ninth grade, the girls are really good about homework. They're really on top of it. They very rarely lose track of assignments and things like that. The boys tend to be a mess in eighth grade. They can't keep track of shit. <laughs> That's the general rule on on the two sides. Well, biologically, yeah. And Jenna's saying, you know, looks at her sons. Oh, oh no. Yeah, it's coming. It, give it like two years, and you're going to be very frustrated. But it, it's more natural. You're saying on the personality side, yeah. And it's it's uh, a thing with boys and girls. And so uh, the boys tend to be uh, more chaotic for quite a lot longer and the effects on structuring something like making use of creativity is, is incredibly difficult uh, when you're talking uh, the younger people, you know? And so when somebody does become 18 and maybe they, they go to college or they start working, uh, but they're out of school, that's the important thing. And they have a lot of options and a lot of flexibility. They don't have a whole lot of practice at structuring and scheduling and figuring out how to do really anything in a productive way. So uh, Kevin, I know that you were, you, you kind of rode that, that weird cusp of taking art through, uh, you know, high school and then to college and to comedy and all that stuff. What would you do? What would you, what would you say to convince yourself to do it better? I don't know. I, while you were this talk- is like the hardest question ever. Yeah. Well, and I don't have a good answer because I never thought about it before. So I'm like balking on it a, a little bit. Um, <laughs> You're gonna fun? Yeah, I need an intentional walk here. I, I just wanted to make a joke about have eighth grade boys having no executive fun- function, but constant awkward boners. Like what a combination that is. <laughs> I guess like, the, like worlds colliding in like the worst ways imaginable. God. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, think, I don't know yeah. what I would say. I think when when I, when Bobby was talking, all I could think about at like fundam at a fundamental level is like, how would your life improve if you if you actually treated yourself like you were important and that the thing the choices that you made mattered? What would happen? And I think that the answer is things would yeah. get better. Yeah, I think the thing that really would have resonated me with me back then uh, actually makes me think of an example that's that. It reminds me of the stuff that you, that you do, Bobby. There, when I was young, I went to in I think Wheeling, West Virginia. I went to a carving museum. Um, Ernest Werther was a master carver, uh, and it, somebody can <laughs> pop this in the chat. It's Werther with an A, not like Werther's originals. And he carved uh, things like trains out of ebony and ivory. And I know he did the Lincoln funeral procession, and it, just the most intricate massive displays of carving and that had its meaning baked in you know he he was uh making this very important emotional historical uh thing with a, a high high detail um style of art uh, so 
the meaning there was really clear. And I'm like, oh, this is important. This is really good. And now almost 30 years later, oh, good. We've got a link in the, uh, the, cha- uh, the chat from Ohio Magazine, The Legacy of Ernest Warther. Um, yeah, it was obvious to me that this mattered. And 30 years later, I remember looking at this carving. Uh, and I remember the guy coming over to me too, one of his sons who pulled out a little piece of wood and he said in 10 minutes or t- 10 cuts, rather, I can make a pair of pliers. And it was, um, you know, it was basswood, so it was easy to cut. And he made these 10 slices with his pocket knife and had a working pair of pliers and then, you know, gave it to me. And, uh, the pliers are still on a little shelf at my parents' house. Um, that was neat. And there's an element of tradition there that he was demonstrating. And that meaning stuck with me. It made an impression then, and it still sticks with me now. And I think that having somebody talk to me about why what they're doing matters would have resonated as a kid in a way that made me really want to be more productive and want to do some of the things that, that we're talking about. Yeah. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Uh, That's cool. I know. I know that we're running uh, close on time because Bobby's got a Halloween video to work on. Uh, do we have a couple of Patreon questions that we can throw real quick before we wrap up? We do. We do. Um, uh, let's see. Oh yeah, is there something that you wanted to make that you haven't had the chance to make? This is from NRM. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, yes, I would like to do some large sculptures and YouTube. I don't know. I. It's hard to re- to justify such a long-term project when I'm kind of, you know, trying to do s- not small projects. Obviously, some of them are, <clears throat> excuse me, very time-consuming, but uh, like a very large, I, oh, yes, right off the bat, I want to do a marble, car- you know, carve marble. I'd love to do a mm. sculpture out of marble. Um, I want to um, learn how to blow glass. I'm going to, I'm very short soon going to learn how to do welding because I would love to do uh, some like metal welding. There's something called like make stacking where you can almost 3d print with metal and then you finish it with, you know, grinders and and things like that. Uh, I would love to do that. Uh, But also just like a large piece just because it would be cool. You know Um, uh, that's, that's the thing. That's what at the top of my head, I've got a bunch of ideas that I are kind of floating around. But they're kind of one of those ideas that it'll t- it's going to have to wait a little bit unless I can just sort of work on it in the background. But I, I don't want to not record it. That, oh, that's another thing we never talked about. Like, um, I, I actually enjoy making the most when the cameras are turned off because I don't have to think about, okay, is my hand in the shot? Do, have I lingered on oh, this yeah. shot for too long? Do I got to, you know, whatever, you know, change the camera angle and stuff. I love making YouTube videos, but there's something about just when nothing is watching, just making, you know, being creative and stuff. I don't know why I brought that up. Sorry. A little, uh, like, a hey, there's another idea. I better say it. 
No, no, no. So that's good because it actually uh, elides into one of the questions from Chinchilla, who is an excellent artist in his own right. Uh, he asked, where does making the videos lay in conjunction with your art? Like, like, how do you balance those two things in terms of the video being part of the art process or is it a documentation of the art process? Like, how do they mesh or stay separated or what? Uh, it, they, it is totally meshes in my opinion, because, um, you know, I'll try to, I'm, I'm always thinking about, like I said before, how long have I been on one shot? Because if you just sit and it's just a time-lapse of non-moving, sometimes that can work, uh, depending on the, the context situation, soundtrack, whatever, you know, with maybe added a slow zoom, you know, over the course of a really long time-lapse. Um, but I'm always trying to think of how to maintain a, a visually interesting, you know, footage or, or whatever, uh, because ultimately I am making a video. So, uh, I'm always, that's always in the back of my head. Um, maybe shots like just for example, like I was, I'm adding food coloring to the inside of a pumpkin on this next carving. I have a shot kind of looking over my shoulder, but then as I'm like going into the pumpkin, I literally, there's a hole on the opposite of the pumpkin. I shove my camera phone, you know, my camera up into the hole so you can see almost the inside POV, you know, uh, shot just to oh, keep cool. it interesting. Um, so I'm, it's, it, it does totally blend, you know, the co what I'm making, but also I'm making a, a video simultaneously. So I always have to keep that in, was, in perspective. Was that difficult to do at first, squaring the two things, the, the video element and the art element? Or did, was it just kind of there and clear to you in your head? Well, I mean, at the beginning, my videos were super lame. You know, they were just strictly tutorials or just montages. Um, and it was only when I started thinking, like, I'd actually like to get views, you know, and I would like to also have fun with this. It's another creative, express expressive element to the art, not just what I'm making, you know, make the thing, make the video about the thing I'm making an art form itself and also interesting. Uh, so it was kind of a, de it developed over time. I started thinking more and more about it and I learned how to edit as soon as I started putting videos out, like I wasn't an editor before. So uh, I kind of came into this without, well, with the idea of how to make an entertaining video or a video that people want to watch. I, I try to balance also entertainment with information, with seriousness. Uh, I know less seriousness than, you know, all the other things, but um, uh, totally lost my train of thought. Well, we can... <laughs> <laughs> jump into the next one and if it, if it comes back in too um you know mention it we've got we've got the flexibility but we're not going to crash into the rocks this one is from w quiz uh it is great what's the most outlandish video suggestion you've gotten in your comments because with all the the, the weird and amazing and interesting things that you do people must throw some bizarre ideas at you uh surprisingly in my video comments it's I, I haven't actually asked for, for video ideas, which is actually a really good idea. Um, cause I typically have some kind of, you know, they come out so infrequently, I have plenty of time to figure out what the next video is going to be. Uh, but, um, most of the comments are just, you know, on the topic of the video. Um, well, I mean, I did carve dinosaur poop was, but, and that was a suggestion from mm. Dan Markham's audience. So, uh, you know, what's inside. 
he uh his he got like a copper light you know petrified dinosaur dookie and uh his audience was like what should i do or he was like what should i do with this and they're like you gotta send it to bobby duke let him carve something whatever so that was a kind of a adjacent you know idea that was given to someone else which then gave, came to me but so i really don't have a good answer for that specifically uh there's not a whole lot of suggestions it's mainly just like uh you know commenting about the video itself okay all right um yeah and i imagine too that uh, uh you can only implement those suggestions uh so much right <laughs> with the process that you've got and all the limitations well it's, it's kind of my fault i should i should throw it out there be like hey what are your suggestions for videos? But I haven't done that yet for some reason. <laughs> uh, it's like when, uh, was it Weist who, who's just like, I've got this amount of money, go buy things on Amazon to decorate my streaming room. And you can imagine the sorts of things that, that people had sent to him with, <laughs> with that money. Uh, I think he had uh, sex toys on his wall for a while. Yeah, I think Michael Reeves did something similar too. Yes, he did. Yeah. He? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay well it, the uh the last one from the chat uh is it, it touches on the theme that you were talking about about um finding a way out of the doldrums and uh pulling out of that and and staying out of that at this point like at, at this moment in time what's what's the thing that you can call on mentally uh that will give you inspiration to keep going on the path that you're on, which you say is very good, uh, rather than, than, uh, backtracking. Well, just the past, you know, miserable time I had, you know, remembering how much it sucks. And honestly, mm -hmm. the, it didn't, I didn't make this change until I got to the point where I was fed up, just fed up with being unhappy. And I, I'm happy in my videos because I only try to record when I'm happy because I, I don't want it to, you know, people are super perceptive. They can tell if, you know, you're faking it. Um, uh, that's also been why, like, literally, it's all been stemming. My, like, my uh, lack of content has been stemming from me being miserable. Um, but that is the best encouragement, you know, just reminder is I was miserable. And I don't want to be like that anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. Well uh, I would love to. I know. I know we're out of time. I'd love to have <laughs> you back. Note. We're gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna check in on you. <laughs> we're gonna. We're gonna update. Uh, what? What? What was your uh, financial projection, Matt? Six months. All right. Well, mark down Bobby Duke six month uh, check in. See I, how, I think that's that sounds that's a good. Fair yeah. Amount of time. Yeah. I think. I think three months is way. Uh, it's way too quick. And a year, I mean, a year is an eternity. We're talking about the YouTube world. Yeah. A year is like 30 years. In yeah, real true. Life. Six months is good. Yeah. I'm, yeah. uh, I'm doing a lot of things too. Like I'm going to bring on, uh, an F hopefully full or part-time editor. Um, I, that, that's, awesome. a, well, uh, like someone to assist with maybe camera and, uh, uh, other things that I'm doing and, you know, just freeing me up to do the things that I'm good at. Um, and, uh, I will say that it's, it's been a real struggle of trying, you know, like letting go of the, or even I haven't actually let go of it, but knowing that I'm going to have to let go of some of the creative, uh, part of like, say the editing, because I have a love hate relationship with it. I, I love that creative aspect of it, but I hate like just slogging through footage and, you know, getting, it's just like, yeah. you just have to brute force it sometimes. And that can be just like exhausting, but, um, I'll never, ever stop being one of the editors you know i'm always always gonna be like uh take edits and and 
put them together. But I don't know. I've been having this real hard time with like um, knowing that I'm going to have to let go of that or some of it at least uh, so that I can be more efficient. I totally forgot the original question. Sorry, well, I do this I all gonna, the time. I, I, I was, <laughs> was just going to chime in and say that that you may surprise yourself. You never know. It could turn out that you give up the editing and you don't miss it at all. And, all, and what you really like to do is kind of executive produce and oversee the thing. I, that's totally possible. It's viable. It's it's not against. It's not a non-zero yeah. possibility. You never just, know. You can I, be surprised sometimes. But I don't want to lose sort of the vibe my videos have and the like my humor is coming through those videos the reason they're edited that way is because i'm doing what i think is funny i need to find sure. someone who is similar sense of humor you know has good comedic timing you know knows when to linger too long for the awkward moment or when to cut it you know skirt that line between actual quick cringe and self-aware cringe and all that stuff <laughs> like, <laughs> if i can get my daughters to laugh and like sigh and like, uh, dad, you know, uh, and I usually, <laughs> I know that I'm doing okay, you know, <laughs> with the yeah. video. It's the perfect blend. All right. Bobby Duke, check out his channel, uh, about, I don't know, a million amazing projects and videos on that Kevin, channel. Do we have that final question? Oh, 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 okay. Uh, it's a quickie. Well, here, here's a, here's a question, uh, we'd like to end on. Uh, we ask all of our guests, and uh, it's a simple one. It's not simple. What makes an interesting person, in your estimation? Hmm. How does one become interesting? Wow, that is a good question. Um, I think life experiences and also uh, like a unique personality, someone who, I don't know, I think life experiences give someone interesting to talk about, which then can make their perception of being interesting. Hmm. Um, but what makes the person interesting is the question. I don't know. I think I think the way your outlook on life um, and how you talk about those things, uh, if if you if it's different than say everyone else's, or you know, then that in itself can be interesting. I don't know. It's a really good question. Uh, well, I think I think by your definition, Bobby Duke, you are a certified interesting person. <laughs> uh, it was great for sure having you on, and uh, yeah, April. We'll have you back in April. Yes. And, Sounds good. Uh, talk about how, how great things are going. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks for our patience for, for hanging out uh, with us. We'll be back uh, on Tuesday with Ian Hecox from Smosh. You don't want to miss that. That's right. Until yeah. then, we will see you, Space Cowboys. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. We make this show with the support of our patrons. 100% of that goes directly to keeping episodes going every week. And the recent support has been amazing. Sidpoke, NRM, Venture Addicts, Weezer Good, you all really do make this show happen. Thank you to the Tots and Dumpster crew, old and new, who save tiny little lives every month. Thank you to our grizzled, battle-hardened child infantry. Clemente De Los Santos, Dan the Latch, Demetrius Andrews, Erica, Farrakhan, Jen Mefasanti, Kevin Menard, Mikhail Steinke, Monahim, Natsu, Penny Peddler, Risebread, Ryan Kinder, Samuel Manser, Sean S., Sean Malone, and Tom Videoger. And a tremendous shout-out to our elite baby gang commanders. Atrocious Guff, Cat, Dojangles, Graham Robertson, James Gallagher, Jeff Davis, Orange Vanilla Coke, Patrick Pister, TCU's personal pilot, Andy, Ryan Carroll, Baseweight, Vinthos, Yetis Deletus, Jonas Walter, Nathan Robinson, Jelksies, and, of course, Trevstead. You are the elite. 
Thank you as well to our indentured servants, producer-editor Ben Webster, Minecraft mogul Laterman, Discord kitten wrangler Conrad, and producer emeritus Dan Yoshua. Thanks to Baseweight for use of Created in the Unknown for the opening theme. Thanks to Electro Voice for giving us mics to sound good on top of it. And a special thanks to Main Gear for powering all of our PC endeavors. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production in partnership with Studio 71. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.